Good morning, everyone. I officially call our ACB annual business meeting and general session back to order. Welcome, everybody. I hope everyone had a wonderful, restful, good night's sleep. Everybody's come back with their coffee and their breakfast, and we're energized for another wonderful morning. We um, have just a couple of announcements. I just want to thank uh, all of our RDC Resource Development Committee members that are working so hard. We had a wonderful auction, and we had a fantastic walk yesterday. And I just want to remind everybody that Gene Mann is manning the phones back in Albany, New York. So please consider, consider becoming an ACB MMS participant, monthly monetary support. For as small of a donation as $10 a month to get started, or you could raise your pledge by $5, you can become a, a member of the monthly monetary support program. All that money goes to fund the wonderful work of ACB. Um, the phone number is 888-999-3190. That's 888-999-3190. Or you can email Gene at askacbmms at gmail.com. That's A-S-K-A-C-B-M-M-S at gmail.com. She's standing by. We really would appreciate. Our goal is to get at least 50 new people to sign up for MMS during the convention this year. So let's go meet our goal. And we really would appreciate anything that you could do to, to help ACB. Second, before I move on, I've got to take a moment of personal privilege. You know, this last uh, year has been very difficult. And for each of us, we cannot do it without the wonderful support of our spouses. Whether you're a staff member, you're a member that's very involved in this organization, a member of the board, it takes so much not from just from us, but the person that really has to give it all is your spouse. And I could not be here today without the love and support of my wife, <laughs> Leslie Spoon. So, <laughs> If you see her in the convention this week, please give her a hug and tell her thanks for putting up for me, with me for the last year. Thank you so, so much. All right, now let's get started. We're going to have our Pledge of Allegiance with our Ross Pangier Scholarship winners. Ross Pangier, a wonderful benevolent uh, individual donor for our organization, gives money each year to fund three 7,500 Ross, dollar Ross Pangier scholarships. I would like to introduce Kevin, Javi, and Ganya to come forward and do our Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you all so much, and congratulations to our Ross Pangier winners. We'll hear from all of our scholarships with a, scholarship winners with an opportunity for them to say hello a little bit later in the program this, evening, this morning. This morning, not, not evening. But now we'd like to take a moment for, to recognize our wonderful convention sponsors. This will be narrated by Kelly Gass. So here are our 2022 ACB Conference and Convention sponsors. 
The American Council of the Blind would like to thank our 2022 conference and convention sponsors. Their continued support is sincerely appreciated. Diamond Sponsors Vanda Pharmaceuticals J.P. Morgan Chase Comcast Microsoft Meta Vispero Emerald Sponsors Amazon MGM Resorts Verizon Walmart Spectrum Johnson & Johnson Ruby Sponsors AT&T Google Waymo Cruise Adobe NCTA The Internet and Television Association Onyx Sponsors Mobile Voting, an initiative of Tusk Philanthropies, American Printing House, Election Systems and Software, Democracy Live, Topaz Sponsors, ACB Lions, Pearl Sponsors, Library Users of America, Individual Sponsors, Titanium, $500, Maria Christick, Fred Scheigert, Betsy Doan, Gerard Boucher, Tierra Williams. Platinum, $250. Edwin Rumsey, Helen Taliaferro, Charles Nabarete, Timothy Stone, Maria Stone, Sherry Richardson, Marilyn Pifo, Lori Scharf, Barbara Brown, Shane Aguilera, Christopher Bell. Gold, $100. Don Barrett, Dan Spoon, Karen Spry, Melvin Smith, Linda Hunt, Brian Dufelmeyer, Vita Zavoli, John Glass, Michael Garrett, Peggy Garrett, Ray Campbell, Karen Campbell, Glenn McCulley, Mary Haroyan, Ursula McCulley, Miles Tamashiro, Peter Heidi, Art Cabanilla, Richard Johnson, Grady Ebert, Susan Heidi, Tom Jones, Renee Zellickson, Howard Goldstein, Gail Crossan, Margie Donovan, Joel Snyder, Sarah Presley, Katie Frederick, Sarah Alkmeen, Larry Gassman, John Gassman, Brian Hardkin, Lee Tucker, Jean Mann, Alexander Densmore, Rachel Densmore, Tom Frank, Andrew Arvidson, Cheryl McNeil Fisher, Colette Arvidson, Christine Hunsinger, Donna Brown, Lynn Golightly, Jesuita Tabor, Mary Ellen Cronin, Douglas Hunsinger, Kathy Lyons, Charles Cronin, Adam Rushevel, Virginia DeBlay, Alyssa Bush, David Goldstein, Viola Benson, Carla Rushevel, Cynthia Hirakawa, Kim Charlson, Brian Charlson, Howard Thomas, Janice Thomas, Dave Adams, Alice Massa, Pat Sheehan, Mitch Pomerantz, Donna Pomerantz, Mike Duke, Kathleen Duke, Susan Crawford, Dan Dillon, Beth Corley, 
Sean Barrett, Donald Horn, Chris Prentice, Nancy Sumner, Vicki Curley, Rhonda Nelson, George Holliday, Raymond Racer, Steve Dresser, Shirley Myers, Debbie Hill, Francie Reboloso, Debbie Grubb, Nanette Legates, Victoria Kennedy, Gary Legates, Karen Gurgi, Donald Thompson, Norman Oda, John McCann, Debbie Robinson, Ken Rogers, Terry Atwater, Joseph Tingler, Barbara Lombardi, Rachel Schroeder, Terry Pacheco, Crystal Platt, Daniel Platt, Linda Yaks, Silver, $50, Leslie Spoon, Kay Love, Sheila Young, Lucy Edmonds, Melody Holloway, Lindsay Lavere, Destiny Noller, Natalie Barrett, Regina Brink, Lynn Corral, Greg Wansnyder, Paul Edwards, Sharon Tchaikovsky, Karen Burley, Fred Quick, Eugene Botke, Charlene Wills, Todd Friedis, Teresa Curry, Pierre Curry, Richard Rueda, Jacques Proctor, Deborah Versteeg, Tony Eames, Sheila Styron, Carl Richardson, Artis Bazin, Kevin Burkery, Eldon Conyers, Stephen Fort, Jean Marie Moore, Cheryl McNeil Fisher, Luther Grulich, Pamela Metz, Laura Lee Kastner, Ruth Boykin, Jay Dudna, Rochelle Hart, Jim Girac, Michael Alvarez, Naomi Sule, Carol White, Jesse Rail, Belle Mills, Catherine Schmidt Whittaker, Graham Whittaker, Martin Kuhn, Paul Kelly, Michael Moran, Jeff Harris, Charlene Ornelas, Celeste Lopez, Annie Davis, David Smith, Jason Castingway, Donald Worth, Rick Voges, Jan Hawthorne, Olivia Chavez, Renee Arrington Johnson, Donna Seliger, Kimberly Carmichael, Anne Doyle, Mary Stores, Mira Ross, Robert White, Cindy Hollis, Alan Peterson, Jane Perry, David Anderson, Doug Powell, Ron Brooks, Melissa Wabschnall, Linda Perel, David Plumley, Wendelin Hovendick, Eugene Lozano, Albert Anderson, Rita Dilek, Bronze, $25, Bonnie Robertson, Cindy Lebon, Stephen Robertson, Katherine Johnson, Cheryl Cummings, Marsha Farrow, Holly Turry, Cecily Nipper, Diane Scalzi, Francis Poindexter, Kenneth Reed, Andrea DeClotz, Donna Weidlich, Donald Kors, Linda Disney, Ralph Smitherman, Geraldine Kors, Frank Welty, Glenda Blanchard, Anne Brash, Nancy Unger, Danette Dixon, Christy Crespin, Edward Crespin, Jessica Barr, Marissa Musimek, Judy Wolfgang, Melody Banks, Marsha Moses, Linda Holliday, Alden Kaiser, 
Pamela Fairchild, Jeanette Gerard, Elizabeth Passanante, Pamela Jones, Patty Slabby, Carla Mary Hayes, Lorray Olison, Beverly Wheeland, Colleen Kitagawa, Doug Putes, Deanna Noriega, Norma Boge, David Cox, Andrew Baracco, Billy Guevara, Mary Lou Baracco, Samantha Hubbard, Patty Cox, Becky Davidson, Anne Foxworth, Marion Hasselrud, Lords Marcus, Debbie Young, Thomas Kaufman, Ray Marcus, Bill Sparks, Christine Schumacher, Kate Morse, Kenneth Semyon, Ruth Tips, Suzanne Howell, Marion Howell, Ellen Telker, Jean Ann Miller, Robin Frost, Mary Oten, Nancy Murray, Sandra Sermons, Michael Tyndall, Terry Nettles, Jeffrey Bennett, Sandra Rukonich, Deborah Trevino, Joyce Feinberg, John Lipsy, Natalie Couch, Francis Gilman, Pam Holloway, Joan Leonard, Kathy Casey, David Wilde, Mirna Voda, Albert Goltz, James Pulsoni, Anthony Acamine, Anthony Lewis, Judy Wilkinson, Andre Webb, Marilyn Murata, Vicki Voigt, Penny Verity, Elaine Weisbard, Penny Reeder, Joseph Wasserman, Doreen Cornwell, Daniel McIntyre, Vanessa Lowry, Marie Sawyer, Janice Squires, David Trott, Rhonda Trott, Anthony Pelosi Jr., Carol Farnsworth, Glenda Bourne, Don Brush, Marie Brenes, Chris Devon, Kathleen Devon, Sandra Burgess, Norma Service, Robert Hill, Elizabeth Aleska, Eric Malcolm, Luann Williams, Debbie McDonald, Monica Zvopa, Marsh Schneider, Jeanette Kutosh, John Smith, Sarita Kimball, Richard Keyes, Alan Casey, Debbie Dethridge, Diane Harms, Zerlene Johnson, Ren Leach, Marilee Hill Kennedy, Katie Lear, Richard Swan, Bruce Radke, Tom Tobin, Roseanne Ashby, Sandra Troiano, Michael O'Brien, Pauline Lamontage, Michael Byington, Mike Godino, Gary Messman, Ann Byington, Joey Couch, Shirley Messman, Freddie Pico, Karen Schroeder, William Burgunder, Gabe Griffith, Melanie Brunson, Alice Richard, Andrea Connor, Joseph Sikora, Vicki Ireland, James Rutherford, Pamela Johnson, Christopher Peterson, Lindsay Tilden, David Plumley, Debbie Rozier, Kathy Blackburn, Connie Sims, Jesse Kramer, Rick Morin, Patricia Duvalli, Mark Bulger, Nathan Ruggles, Nanetta Garner, Rosalind Nadler, April Martin, Satana Howry, Kathy Wilson, Jonna Simmons, Steve Hassine, David Tanner. Wow. I want to give a huge round of applause to all of our convention sponsors.
That is just absolutely amazing to hear that list of all of our corporate sponsors and members who are giving once again to this organization. Let me hear a big hip, hip. Hip, hip. Hip, hip. Just to make you feel a little bit better, we will not do the individual sponsors for the rest of the convention, just the corporate sponsors. But thank you so much. <laughs> Next, we are going to hear from our Credentials Committee Chair, Ralph Smitherman from Branson, Mississippi. Ralph. All right. All right. So if you can hear me, where are we? Okay, we're good? Uh, good morning, ACB. I bring you good news. All the credentials information was turned into ACB on time. Thank you to all affiliates. Since uh, last evening when we did the roll call, everything is in place for us to continue. So, Mr. President, if you don't mind, I would like to make a motion. And the motion is, on behalf of the Credentials Committee, I make a motion that the affiliate votes verified by the Secretary last evening, together with any amendments thereto, with all ACB members certified by the record to date, May 23, 2022, shall constitute the voting body for ACB business sessions. Yes, sir. All right. Uh, we've read the motion. We have a second. Uh, all those in favor of this motion, say aye. aye. All those opposed, say no. The motion carries. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be Credentials Chairman. Thank you, Ralph. Ralph always does an outstanding job of the, manning the Credentials Committee. We thank him so much. Thank you, Ralph. Next, we are going to hear from Brian Charlson, Chair of the Nominating Committee with our official slate of officers for our candidate elections. Brian. Hello, everyone. Thank you, Dan. I'm pleased to represent the 2022 ACB Nominating Committee. As chair of that committee, I was assisted by several individuals in putting together the Zoom meeting, an all virtual meeting of this committee. I had the assistance of Denise Colley, ACB Secretary, Deb Cook-Lewis, ACB First Vice President. Also, we had the assistance of ACB CFO, who assisted in acting as she has and will continue to act throughout this convention. That's our own Nancy Becker. And as our Zoom room host, we had the president of the Florida Council of the Blind and member of the nominating committee, Ms. Young. I want to thank all four of them for assisting in this process. The meeting took place over two and three quarters hours and required six roll call votes. By last count, we had more than 95% participation by our affiliates uh, and only had one individual 
who was not allowed in the closed meeting because of tardiness. So let me get on with the nominations. We have five positions for the board and three for the Board of Publications. The first board position was Connie Sims of Sioux Falls, South Dakota. She is a medical massage practitioner. The second position, Jeff Tom from Sacramento, California. He's a retired state employee of the state of California. The third position, Gabriel Lopez Cafferty. He is from Miami Lakes, Florida, and his occupation is academic advisor and life coach. The fourth position, Terry Pacheco of Silver Spring, Maryland. And she's an alternate format and accessibility specialist for the Federal Communications Commission. The fifth position, Rachel Schroeder from Springfield, Illinois. She's an assistive technology specialist. That rounds up the five ACB board positions. Now for the Board of Publications, three positions. The first, Zelda Gephardt, and she's from Edgeley, South Dakota, or pardon me, North Dakota, and her occupation, Director of Outpatient Services. Second position, Penny Reeder of Montgomery Village, Maryland. Retired trainer of access technology. The third and final board of publications position, Cache Wells of Jacksonville, Florida. And she lists her occupation as author. That completes the nominees. Please remember that nominations can be made from the floor and the voting process has been described quite well through many, many different avenues. Please take the time to be in place for each election being held throughout the convention. That completes my report, Mr. President. I return the chair to you. Thank you, Brian, for that thorough report. Next, we are going to hear for our diamond sponsor for today, Vanda Pharmaceutical. Vanda's been with us for a long time. They're a wonderful partner of the American Council of the Blind. And I'm really happy and excited to introduce to you today, Jennifer Lyman and Vicki Preddy, both nurse educators representing the Midwest and Southeast regions. We've had an opportunity to work with them in many of our state conventions. They're two wonderful and energetic ladies here to talk to us a little bit about Non24 and other things happening with Vanda Pharmaceutical. Let me introduce Jennifer and Vicki. Hello, ACB. Thank you so much for inviting us to participate in your wonderful national convention. 
We are so happy to be here live and in person to celebrate and support the valuable work that you do for people with vision loss. My name is Vicki. And I'm Jennifer. We are registered nurse educators for Vanda Pharmaceuticals. And Vanda is a company that provides education and support for people with a condition called non-24 hour sleep-wake disorder or non-24 for short. Non-24 is spelled N as in Nancy, O-N-24. And in the past, many of you have probably heard a presentation on non-24, but research tells us that seven out of 10 people living with total blindness have non-24. An important point about that though is people with low vision can also have non-24. Our role as nurse educators is to provide education and raise awareness of non-24 and the no-cost services offered by Vanda for this condition. A person with non-24 may experience sleep disturbances with symptoms that include difficulty falling asleep at night or at a desired bedtime, or difficulty staying asleep at night or difficulty staying awake during the day, excessive sleepiness during the day that may cause a person to take naps. Um, people with non-24 may feel that they have a sleep schedule or a sleep pattern that's different from most people that they know. Um, people can have one of those symptoms or all of them and they can range in severity from mild to severe. The symptoms tend to occur close to the time that someone loses their eyesight, but not always, and symptoms may develop as vision loss progresses. Sleep struggles can lead to irritability and difficulty concentrating. And as you might imagine, someone with sleep struggles might not be able to participate in activities such as going to school or work learning new skills or attending chapter meetings or even spending time with family and friends. As nurse educators, we can help you advocate for yourself. So please visit our exhibit booth. We're at tables nine and 10. Um, if you wanna learn more about non-24 or if you just want to have a discussion with us about your sleep struggles or your sleep patterns, um, we're happy to do that and then connect you with additional resources if you want. When you visit us at our booth, you can also learn how to schedule a local in-person or virtual education program for a group that you belong to. We present at various um, groups or to various groups and various organizations such as the ACB and its chapters. We, we meet with rehab facilities, centers for independent living, schools for the blind, manufacturers, support groups, and so many others. So Jennifer, I have a question for you. We've been here for a couple of days. So far, what's the number one question people are asking you about Vanda? Funny you should ask, Vicki. <laughs> the number one question is, hey, Vanda, did you bring ice cream? <laughs> yes. yes. 
right. I'll be over today. <laughs> well, I was going to ask the audience if they know the answer to that, but it sounds like they do. <laughs> so please come by and learn about Non24 and um, satisfy that sweet tooth at the same time. Again, we are at tables 9 and 10. Thank you all. Have a wonderful convention and a wonderful Independence Day. We appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Jennifer and Vicki, thank you all so much. And I, I know I'm going to go over and get my ice cream this afternoon. I don't know about the rest of you. But when they were asking that question, where my mind went was, what was the most frequently asked question at the hotel this week? I was going to say, where am I and where is the elevator? <laughs> so, but where is the van to ice cream was a close second. <laughs> All right. Uh, now it's time for us to take a moment and reflect on one of our ACB angels with our ACB angels tribute for today. I'm honored to introduce to you uh, Bernice Kandarian, who was one of the founding members of CCLVI and a very active advocate in the state of California. Her testimony is going to be read by CCLVI First Vice President Zelda Gephardt. Against the sparkling background, the letters ACB, and below each its corresponding braille cell, ACB presents ACB Angel, Bernice May Kandarian, December 5, 1946 to October 2, 2021. Bernice, a white woman with short, dark hair, wears dark glasses and holds a white cane. Zelda Gebhardt, a white woman. Hi, I'm Zelda Gebhardt, and it is my privilege to present Bernice May Kandarian as an ACB angel. Bernice was born in Fresno, California, first child of Harry and Jeannie Kandarian. She became visually impaired at age five from uveitis, apparently resulting from a black widow spider bite combined with measles and chickenpox. She graduated from Litchfield Park Elementary School and Agua Frija High School in the western suburbs of Phoenix. She had attained a bachelor's degree from Arizona State University in Tempe. Bernice's work life began at the Arizona State University Law School, where she duplicated articles for the students. It is said that some professors refer to getting things Berniced for their classes. She, her rehab counselor then sent her to Los Angeles to train to be a service representative for the Social Security Administration. She worked for Social Security in California, Washington, D.C., and Arizona for a total of 14 years. Finally, for a brief time, she worked in the Disabled Student Services Office at Stanford University. Meanwhile, another aspect of Bernice's life was taking shape. This was her career as an organizer and advocate among blind people and those with low vision. While at Arizona State University, she was recruited for the Developing Arizona Council of the Blind by Judge John Van 
landogram, um, a law school mate of Reese Rodham, the, the second president of the American Council of the Blind. She then got involved with the Organized Blind in California during her social security training. She played hooky from her training in July 1973 and attended her first ACB National Convention in Knoxville, Tennessee. She was hooked. She attended 40 more ACB conventions before missing one. During the time in ACB, when there was much experimentation with the organization of special interest affiliates, Bernice helped to organize the Council of Citizens with Low Vision International, ACB students, and ACB government employees, as well as the Silicon Valley Council of the Blind. She combined administrative skills with policy interest. In 1978, in Salt Lake City, she was recruited as ACB Resolutions Committee Chair. As health issues gradually began to interfere with her full-time employment, she began to spend much of her time on organizational matters. Besides ACB affiliates, she worked with local agencies such as the Vista Center and the San Francisco Lighthouse. She answered information lines for the Council of Citizens with Low Vision and became a general information source for many. And practically from her deathbed, she identified some promising new board members for CCLVI. Recognition for these feats came in the form of a National Community Service Award from ACB and a place in the California Council of the Blind Hall of Fame. Shortly after her passing in 2021, CCLVI established an award in her honor. She will be posthumously awarded the first annual Bernice Kandarian Service Award in recognition of her many years of dedicated service to the Council of Citizens with Low Vision International. A logo, ACB, in print and braille, American Council of the Blind, together for a bright future. Thank you, Zelda, and thank you, Bernice. We love you, we'll miss you, and we'll always, always remember those opportunities that each of us had to learn from you. So thank you, Bernice. Next, I would like to introduce our presiding officer for the day, Deb Cook Lewis from Lewiston, Washington, ACB First Vice President. Deb. So, you know, my, my uh, stock and trade is to be a radio broadcaster, and I was thinking we could take requests, but maybe that's not what we're supposed to do here. 
I did get a request, though, we, from our uh, presiding officer, President Dan, that we uh, change the schedule. He wants me to change the schedule without changing the database. I don't know. <laughs> but we're, we're going to try. We're breaking protocol here. Welcome, everyone. And it's so great to be with you. And I'm so glad to be here in person with you. Even though I don't get to be in here very much of the time, it's great to be in here this morning. And it's cold in here for those of you who are listening on the radio. So snuggle up to your blankies because that's what we need in here. <laughs> All right. We are changing the agenda just slightly this morning. Our next presentation is uh, supposed to be um, uh, Mark Workman from the World Blind Union. And he will be with us. But we've shifted things just a bit to accommodate some things. And so uh, lining up behind me now are our scholarship winners, which is so exciting. You'll be hearing individual presentations um, by them throughout the week. But this morning, we're just going to give you a quick introduction to all of our scholarship winners. So let's do that now. Good morning, everyone. Um, before we introduce our scholarship winners and the very brief uh, introductions that they're going to make this morning. Um, I want to introduce to you, uh, I am the co-chair of the ACB Scholarship Committee, Denise Colley, and my co-chair, Ms. Rebecca Bridges, who keeps me in line, and that's a really good thing to be doing. <laughs> um, we had a, a wonderful group of students this year apply for our scholarships. I think we uh, ended up giving scholarships to more international students this year than we have in a while. Um, and um, they are going to, we have six, well five, because one of them couldn't be here, six students who um, we invited back from 2020 and 2021. You won't be hearing videos from them because those were played in those particular years, but we invited them back to be able to participate and have the convention experience. Um, we're just going to, um, at this point, have our winners um, say, tell you who they are, introduce who they are, where they're from, and where they're going to school. And then you will be hearing um, their actual videos for this year's scholarship winners throughout the week. So before we do our introductions, I just wanted to take a moment to thank um, all of our members of the scholarship committee who work very tirelessly to uh, go through the applications and interview our wonderful applicants. It's actually, it's a really fun job. Um, they get to, to meet everyone and they do a great job. Uh, there's a lot of work that goes into that. So I wanted to just take a moment to thank them and thank Denise for keeping me in line. <laughs> and also uh, take a moment to thank our, um, the sponsors of our scholarships. Um, all of our donors, um, individuals and organizations that contribute to the program because we couldn't do it without them. Uh, we also collaborate with the American Foundation for the Blind um, uh, for their, we work collaboratively to um, issue, you know, issue scholarships alongside them. So they are partners of ours and so I want to thank them as well for their support and their contributions to our program. So. No one wants to hear from me anymore, so without further ado, I'm just really excited to let you all hear from our winners this year. Good morning, everyone. My name is Rania Usesi. I am from San Antonio, Texas. I am scholarship winner this year, 2022. And I wanna say thank you so much for the ACB organization 
for all the hard work they do for us. And thanks so much for the ACB Scholarship Committee for having me here today. Thank you so much and have a wonderful day, everyone. Thank you. Hello, my name is Faith Norby and I am from Kildare, North Dakota. This year I will be attending the University of Mary in North Dakota and I will be majoring in English education and minoring in special ed. Good morning, my name is Avery Celine, and I'm from Cary, North Carolina, and I will be attending the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill in the fall. I'll be majoring in psychology and minoring in neuroscience, and I'd like to thank ACB and all the sponsors for this opportunity. Hi everyone, my name is Carmen Guzman, but many refer to me as Izzy. I come from Celebration, Florida, and I'm entering my third year at the University of Miami, majoring in music education with a minor in education. And I would like to thank the American Council of the Blind for the scholarship, thank you. Hi, my name is Malia Thibodeau, I'm from Alabama. I'm a rising freshman. I'm going to attend Hillsdale in Michigan this year for international business and foreign language. And I want to thank the scholarship committee for this opportunity to be here and meet all these new people. Thank you. Hello everyone, my name is Qusay Hussain. I'm from Austin, Texas. I just finished my master and I got accepted to the PhD. I attend the University of Texas. And I would like to thank the committee of the scholarship and thank you so much for a beautiful opportunity. Hello everyone, my name is Camille O'Neill and I will be a freshman at Creighton University in the fall majoring in business intelligence and analytics. Um, I'm from Gretna, Nebraska and I would just like to thank the ACB and the committee for this wonderful opportunity. Hi everyone, my name is Julia Murray. I am from, oops, sorry. Hi everyone, my name is Julia Murray. I am from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I will be attending Slippery Rock University this upcoming fall for exercise science, preoccupational therapy, and I would like to give a huge thank you to ACB for this amazing opportunity and the committee as well. Hello everybody, my name is Robert Lamb. I am from Fort Collins, Colorado, attending Colorado State University for environmental engineering. And once again, I would like to stake, thank you the committee and ACB for this opportunity. Good morning, my name is Sarah Hidalgo Cook and I'm from Uvalde, Texas. I just graduated in May with my master's of science in community development from Kansas State University and I would like to thank ACB for the opportunity of being able to reach my goal. Thank you so much. Hello and good morning. My name is Gabe Gates. I live in the Denver area. I'm currently attending University of Colorado, Denver, a doctorate in education equity, executive studies. Thank you to the ACB for this wonderful opportunity. Thank you to my wife and thank you to my God. God is good. Oh, amen. 
Good morning. My name is Tatiana Tolliver Hughes. I am from Charleston, West Virginia, and I'm an upcoming freshman going to Washington University in St. Louis. I will be majoring in philosophical law and policy. And once again, thank you to ACB for this opportunity. Good morning, my name is Brielle Kerr. I'm from Middletown, Connecticut. I received the scholarship in 2020 and 2021. Um, I go to Fordham University. I'm finishing up my master's in data science and I'd just like to thank everyone for this opportunity. Good morning. I would introduce myself, but I figured I'm already wearing my name tag. You can read it, right? I also probably don't need to introduce myself because I have had the honor and privilege to get several ACB scholarships and I've been here a couple times and I just want to thank this amazing organization for supporting me in my educational pursuits in computer science. Name is Matthew Turner. <laughs> thank you. Good morning everyone. My name is Kevin Cohen. I'm going into my junior year at Binghamton University, which is part of the State University of New York. I'm studying accounting and economics and um, I won a scholarship this year and I want to thank you all for being so kind over the past couple days. It's really been a pleasure to meet so many of you. Um, and thank you to the scholarship committee and ACB. Good morning, my name is Brody Enoch and I'd like to thank the ACB and just point out, number one, the diversity and the age on this stage because I am a 64-year-old 1L law student. Uh, 1L law student at the City University of New York School of Law. Age is just a number. Good morning, my name is Maureen Hayden and I am a PhD candidate going into her sixth year of her PhD program in marine biology. So that's right, you heard me, Maureen the marine biologist at Texas A&M <laughs> University. Follow me on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Um, I would like to give the opportunity to not only thank ACB, the scholarship committee, but also we couldn't have done it without our friends, family, and support group. It takes a village to break down barriers and achieve our goals. Thank you so much. Good morning, Omaha. My name is Bhavya Shah, and if my accent doesn't already give it away, I'm from India. But I've been studying in California. I'm a rising junior at Stanford University, majoring in mathematical and computational science. And I'm extremely grateful to ACB for their continuing support with my education and for the chance to be here among y'all. Thank you. Uh, hello, Omaha. My name is Tom Jirasi. I'm a rising sophomore at Merrimack College. 
Um, I live in Newton, Massachusetts, and I'm majoring in communications with a concentration in public relations and minors in marketing and religion. Um, I received the scholarship, the Qual Scholarship in 2021, and now a Bay State Council for the Blind scholarship recipient this year. Um, I just want to thank ACB, but also my support network back at home um, for supporting me in my educational goals, and I can't wait to see what sophomore year brings. Hello, my name is Brandon Swallow. I'm currently going to University of Carolina, Pembroke. I'm getting a cybersecurity degree. That's my concentration and my bachelor's in computer science. I'd like to thank ACB and the scholarship committee for this opportunity and my support network. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Krishna Bodala. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. I'm my name is Krishna Bodala. I'm an MBA grad at New York Tech. I live in New Jersey. I'd like to thank ACB for giving a wonderful opportunity. And I would like to pledge $50 of my uh, scholarship award to ACB. Aww. And last but not the least, I'd like to thank my family. I hope they are watching on Zoom. <laughs> because they believed me when they, uh, no one believed in me. Aww. Thank you. Can you see why we have so much fun on this committee? <laughs> we, we get to meet and work with the most incredible group of people that you could ever meet. They're absolutely awesome. I just want to, in closing, say you will be hearing a little bit more about these students throughout the week. The next four days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we will be playing um, pre-recorded videos, so you will learn more about them. And um, I just want to also remind people that the scholarship reception is this evening at 5.30 in Grand Ballroom A and B over in the Hilton. And if you want to come by and meet these incredible students, please do so. Thank you all very much. Um, and so um, I uh, want us to uh, begin to uh, introduce our, um, our international guest, um, from Mark Workman, who is the president of the World Blind Union and is from Canada. I, I live in Washington State. We don't really think of that as international, but that's all right. I guess the rest of you do. <laughs> uh, Mark was appointed to the role of WBU CEO in January of 2022, so this is a pretty new role for him. But he has extensive knowledge of the disability nonprofit sector, having held management positions in the areas of advocacy, public affairs, and program delivery with the Canadian National. National Institute for the Blind. Additionally, Mark is an experienced public servant who served for over five years in various roles with the government of Alberta, 
including as executive advisor to an assistant deputy minister in Service Alberta. Mark has a master's degree in political science from the University of Alberta with a long bachelor's degree of honors from the same university. And as an accomplished public speaker, Mark regularly gives talks on diversity and inclusion to large audiences and guest lectures on bioethics and disability policy at local universities. Um, Mark has actively volunteered in the Canadian disability movement for 15 years, and when you find out how young he is, that's just almost all of his life. Um, holding a variety of roles with organizations such as the Alliance of um, Equality for Blind Canadians, uh, the Council of Canadians with Disabilities, Barrier Free Canada, and a Voice of Albertans with Disabilities. Um, Mark um, resides in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, where in 2020 he, and he was named one of the city's top 40 under 40. Do you dig that next gen, guys? For his many contributions to the community. Um, so at this time, I would like to turn the meeting over to um, Mark Workman from the WBU. I am actually in Omaha, uh, but unfortunately I've tested positive for COVID. So I, I'm feeling okay, but I do not want to infect anyone else. So I'm doing this virtually. Um, unfortunately, I would much rather be downstairs in the room with everyone. Um, hopefully I will uh, test negative before I leave Omaha and can um, hang out with people as I was hoping to. So thank you for that warm welcome. Good morning, everyone. Uh, it, it is morning, right? Because I left Athens, Greece around 2 a.m. Omaha time yesterday and arrived at the hotel around 2 a.m. Omaha time this morning. Uh, so it's a little hard for me to even really know what time of day it is at this stage. Um, and with that in mind, I do hope you'll, you'll go easy on me in my sleep deprived and uh, now COVID infected state. So this is actually my first ACBE convention. I'm familiar with the organization for sure but have never actually had the chance to make it down from Canada. So I'm really grateful to Kim Charlson for the um, invitation. I'm excited to be here and looking forward to hanging out with you for a few days, hopefully uh, not isolating in my room the whole time. Um, so with my time this morning, I'm going to share a little bit about myself, um, a bit about who the World Blind Union is and what we do. And then I want to share what are some of my key priorities for the rest of 2022. And then I'm, I'm gonna end by talking a bit about the important role that I think ACB can continue to play within the WBU. And hopefully we'll have some time for uh, questions, but if not, I will be around um, until Thursday, hopefully again, not in my room the whole time. So please don't hesitate to try to connect with me uh, later on. So I thought I'd start this talk with a little bit about myself, and I don't want to repeat too much of what you heard in the introduction, So maybe a good place to start is my connection to blindness. So the condition that led to me becoming blind is called retinitis pigmentosa. I suspect there are others in the room who have this condition. Uh, however, having met many people with the condition, I do think mine was a slightly more aggressive version of the condition. So I was diagnosed when I was in kindergarten, quite a young age, probably legally blind by about age 10, and then lost most of the rest of my sight uh, by my late teens. 
And as my sight started to decline in my teenage years, so too did my grades in school. And eventually out of high school altogether. And I think a natural assumption to make would be that I didn't receive the supports I needed. And as a result of the lack of accommodations, I couldn't keep up with my my sight peers. And this is really only partially true though. It's true that I didn't use the tools and techniques that help blind people to be successful in school, right? So braille, large print, magnifiers, uh, white canes, and those types of things. It's not so much that they weren't provided to me though, but because I refused to use them. And again, I suspect this is a familiar story to some others in the room. I just couldn't stand the idea of being marked as different. Never mind the fact that I regularly stopped soccer balls with my face, walked into doors, wore super thick glasses, held the textbook just a few inches from my face, and sounded a little like a child who's learning to read when I was asked to read out loud in class. I, of course I was different and everyone knew I was different, but I still insisted on doing everything I could to hide it. And in the end, I was sort of missing so much class and my grades were so poor that it just didn't make sense to stay in school. However, fortunately, the story didn't end there, as you might have guessed. So I, what I did is I realized pretty quickly that a blind person with no skills and no education, just like a sighted person with no skills and no education, was going to have pretty poor job prospects. And I will pause here and just give a little credit to CNIB, the Canadian National Institute for the Blind, because I met with a blind gentleman who worked there when I was you know, out of school and looking for some type of work. And I wanted to see if he had any advice for me. And he told me that you know, there are definitely lots of jobs that blind people can do, but that would, there would be way more opportunities if I were to go back and complete my education. And I took him to heart and ended up spending the next 10 or so years uh, in school, finishing high school, completing a bachelor's degree, and then a master's and even half of a, a PhD as well. So there is a, a slight risk. This could end up being all about me. And I, and I want to move on um, to talking about the World Blind Union. But just before I do that, I think there are just a couple of lessons that I think can be learned from my story that I want to I wanna pull out. So one is the power of role models. Um, when I met that gentleman from CNIB, it was, it was a bit of a turning point for, for me. And I've had many blind and sighted role models throughout the rest of my life. So they're, they're, they can be so crucial uh, for your growth. A second lesson is around the power of education. And we were just hearing from some um, scholarship winners. Um, we'll never know for sure how my life would have gone if I hadn't gone back to school. But I'm very confident that I wouldn't be here today without my education. The third lesson I think is that the shame that we sometimes feel about our blindness can be an incredibly self-destructive force. So I think back to the pain that I went through as a kid, you know, the headaches from struggling to read print that was too small, the inner dread that someone might realize that my eyes didn't work like everyone else's. I think about that and I want to do whatever I can to try to prevent another child or adult, for that matter, from experiencing those feelings. And I wanna, I wanna read the first sentence of the WBU's long-term vision as outlined in our latest strategic plan because it's relevant to what I'm talking about here. 
So it says, we dream of a future where the children of today will one day say, I'm blind. It's no big deal. And I think given my own personal experience, you could probably see why this is a vision that I can really get behind. And I hope it resonates with, with you as well. So what is the World Blind Union and how do we hope to achieve this long-term vision? Well, I'm going to give a little bit of history. So in its current form, the organization has been around since 1984. So coming up on 40 years um, very soon. And I say in its current form because the WBU was actually created when two separate organizations came together. So the World Council for the Welfare of the Blind was created in 1951, and it consisted primarily of service providers, so organizations for the blind. And then there was also another one called the International Federation of the Blind, and that was founded in 1964 and consisted mostly of advocacy organizations or organizations of the blind. And in the history that I, I read that was written on this topic, it says that the two organizations actually got along fairly well, um, which might be a little surprising. Um, but there was a lot of duplication of resources. Some organizations were members of both. Um, and in some cases, they would put forward positions on issues that weren't totally aligned. And that, as we know, can um, cause things to not progress as quickly as we might like. So in 1984, in October, in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, interesting location, both organizations ended up adopting resolutions that dissolved each organization and formed the World Blind Union. So the WBU is an organization that's made up of other organizations. So the American Council of the Blind, for example, is a member. So too is CNIB in Canada, where I worked, and ONCE in Spain, Vision Australia. And I can't list them all because there are hundreds of organizations that are members of WBU. Our organization, WBU, is divided up into six regions. I won't list them all, but each region has their own governing body. So, for example, ACB is part of the North American Caribbean region, and Kim Charlson is the current regional president. Every four years, the World Blind Union holds what we call a general assembly. And at this general assembly, we bring together delegates from countries all over the world. They come together um, in uh, a specific location for our General Assembly. And at each of these General Assemblies, we uh, pass resolutions similar to what you would do at convention, and we elect uh, table officers. We elect five table officers. So that would be your kind of standard executive, your president, first vice president, second vice president. We call our secretary the secretary general, uh, kind of a nod to the United Nations, and treasurer. So those those five are the, are the um, elected positions. And our, our president is restricted to only serving one four-year term. But what we do allow is that he or she can also serve one additional term as the uh, past president. So these six table officers, when you include the past president, plus the six presidents of the regions, like Kim Charlson being one for North America, 
Caribbean, they form what we call the WBU officers, basically the, the governing uh, body for our organization. And honestly, like I'm sure people are glazing over a little bit. If I were to actually try to explain our um, structure in all its glorious detail, it would likely require some tactile graphs, a 30 minute presentation and a whole lot of coffee. The, the structure that we use, admittedly, I admit, can be a, a tad bit complicated, which I'm told is the result of uh, basically too many blind lawyers in the kitchen um, designing our structure. On a side note, I will say we are initiating a governance review this year that I do hope will result in, in simplifying things um, a little bit. So let's move now on to what exactly the WBU does. And the way I describe it to people is there are really two big buckets of work that we do, and that's advocacy and capacity building. So the WBU advocates at the international level on issues facing blind people. So sometimes this advocacy will take place within UN or United Nations organizations, like, for example, the World Health Organization or UN Habitat. And in other instances, the advocacy is done at international conferences or events like the World Urban Forum, the International Transport Forum, or the World Congress on United Cities and Local Governments. So these are just examples of big kind of global gatherings of um, practitioners in different areas, transportation, urban development, um, cities and local governments. And, um, and we attend these events and do advocacy at them. Within the capacity building bucket, you'd have things like training workshops where the goal of the capacity building is to support and empower our member organizations to be more effective in their local community. So for example, we might do a training session on the Marrakesh Treaty, where we would talk about what the Marrakesh Treaty is, how it can be beneficial, and how a member could advocate within their local country for the ratification and implementation of this treaty. And just in case anyone hasn't heard of this, um, it's an international agreement that facilitates the cross-border sharing of accessible materials. So if a country anywhere in the world ratifies the treaty, they can gain um, access really quickly to really large libraries of accessible formats um, um, because of other countries that have joined and made their content available. We've also done training on the Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities. So this is a really key document around international, um, the dis disabled community internationally. So for example, just a few weeks ago, we held a webinar on CRPD, that's Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities, on CRPD alternative reports. And I don't wanna to digress too much, but I will just say that these alternative reports are documents that civil society organizations like ACD, as an example, can submit to the United Nations and make their own comments on their country's progress on implementing the CRPD. So they can be a very effective tool for advocacy if used uh, properly. But of course, not every member in our uh, of the WBU would be aware of alternative reports and how to use them. So that's where we can play a role to support them. I can't give an exhaustive account of the different areas of work, and I suspect the laundry list wouldn't be all that interesting anyway, but there is one area I want to dive into a little bit further, and, and that's 
an area that WBU has been heavily involved in for at least the last couple of years. So we noticed a couple of years ago that not a lot of disability organizations were engaged in the area of urban development at the international level. Lots, I'm sure, are, are doing it um, in their own countries. ACB probably um, has been involved in urban development and accessibility issues within cities, uh, but we weren't seeing a lot at the international level. And so in response, we formed the global program on inclusive and accessible urban development, sort of one of the key programs that we have within WBU. And through this program, we've been very active at the international level, advocating to design cities that are more inclusive and accessible. And so a couple of recent examples to illustrate this, uh, a few team members, including myself, were in Poland last week where we led a delegation of people with disabilities to participate in the 11th session of the World Urban Forum. And this is sort of the global premier conference on urban development. And so I was able to speak on a panel with a Polish minister who happens to be blind as well, um, a high level official with the World Health Organization and a number of other high level dignitaries. Um, another example would be that back in April, one of our WBU staff who happens to be partially sighted had the rare opportunity to address the United Nations General Assembly in New York, including around 700 mayors from around the world who were, were visiting New York at the time. And so if you're anything like me, you might hear that stuff and you might think, oh, okay, like that's all good. Um, nothing wrong with, with those types of things, but how does that actually help people in their local communities? And I think that's a totally fair question. And I admit it's not always obvious or straightforward. And, and so what we call this, the challenge of localizing international frameworks. You can have great stuff happening at the international level, but how do you localize? How do you make it have an impact on the ground in the different municipalities? And the way I think about this is there always needs to be a two-pronged approach. So when the World Blind Union is speaking at things like the World Urban Forum or the United Nations General Assembly, we do get the opportunity to speak to hundreds or even thousands of individuals, decision makers, influential people who then go back to their communities and hopefully have learned some new things about accessible design, universal design, and the importance of working with dis disability organizations, which is a point that we always stress, the importance of engaging uh, disability organizations whenever you're making decisions. And so there's lots of value to us having those conversations and doing those presentations. But at the same time, the second prong has to be to work with our members so that they understand the messages that are being communicated internationally. Like what are we going out there and talking about and are able to then follow up and support those messages in their local communities. And I think once those two prongs, that approach is working well, you can really see a lot of positive change on the ground. And so this challenge of localizing what's happening at the international level is one that I take very seriously. I'm very sensitive um, to it as someone who um, only recently came to the international kind of arena and mostly did my advocacy within my municipality, within my province, um, state for, for ACB members or within my country. And so it's one of my key areas of, of focus. And as I come to uh, the end of this talk, I thought I'd just share 
couple of other areas that I plan to focus on in the next six months. So as mentioned, I've only been in this role for about six months now, um, but I've noticed a couple of areas that I want to focus on uh, for the rest of the year. So communications is definitely the area that I noticed early on has lots of room for improvement. Um, I think we could do a lot more, a, a, a better job in at least three different ways when it comes to communication. First is probably the most kind of obvious, and that's communicating outwards. I bet you there's a lot of people in this room have never heard of Worldwide Union. Um, I have no idea what we do. Um, and so we can make a better job of communicating out to both our member organizations, what are we doing, how can you get involved, but also out to non-members, to other disability organizations, and the general public as well. A second area for communications that I think we can do better is at hearing from our members. So we want to create more opportunities where our members can tell us what their issues are and how we can support them. And then the third way is that I think WBU has uh, a responsibility, actually, to facilitate communication among members, right? In my experience, members are organizations. They want to help one another and they want to learn from one another. And WBU can play a key role in making this happen. And so communications is one area that's going to be a priority for me that I hope to make some real positive change in the next six months. A related but separate area would be member engagement. So if we're communicating effectively with members, they're going to be more engaged for sure. But beyond that, um, I'm hoping to develop a member engagement strategy. We currently have hundreds, like I mentioned, of member organizations that are affiliated with WBU. By some counts, over, over, but we know that's it's really not an accurate number. Um, we need to have a better handle on who our members are and how active they are or want to be within UB. So we need a plan to attract member organizations to join um, WBU, and we need a plan to reactivate members who have become less active or inactive over the, over the years. And I think to do all of this, we need to be able to make a strong case for um, membership in the WBU. And so that's another priority. And then here's the last one. I'll finish by talking about Ukraine, which I haven't mentioned up until now. I was actually invited to um, speak at this convention before uh, Russia invaded Ukraine. And I double checked and it was, um, I'd only been on the job for three days when Kim reached out to invite me here. And given that she knew basically next to nothing about me, I call that a pretty gutsy move. And I wish that I didn't have to talk about Ukraine. It's such a terrible situation. And it's been one that has occupied a lot of my time since I joined WBU. Now, we didn't react immediately. Um, partly it was the effect of me being new. Um, a lot of organizations were putting out statements condemning the invasion. And I saw absolutely nothing wrong with that. I think that's important to do. But I didn't just want to put out a statement if I couldn't announce anything a little more concrete. And so following a series of conversations with various individuals who are associated with WBU, we ended up establishing what we called the Ukrainian Unity Fund. And the fund was set up to create a mechanism for individuals and organizations to channel their support to help blind or partially sighted Ukrainians. And I'm pleased 
to um, announce that thanks to the generosity of hundreds of individuals and many organizations, including the American Council of the Blind, the fund has generated um, well over $100,000 um, US. And I've been working closely with our regional member in Europe. So that's the European Union of the Blind. I know some of the EBU European have already started flowing into the region to assist blind and partially sighted Ukrainians. And at the WBU, we've identified a bunch of organizations, I say bunch, maybe um, a handful of organizations that are in and around Ukraine and that are providing support. Um, and so we're just in the process of establishing some slightly more formal partnerships. Um, there are legal uh, rules around, because we're a registered charity in Canada, there are some legal um, hoops that we kind of have to jump through. But we're close to having those partnerships established so that the funds that were so generously uh, donated can be used actively and, of course, responsibly as they were intended. And so this will be another area of work that I think will occupy a lot of my time and will be a key priority for me over the next um, six months or so. So I don't have a lot of time left. So I just end by sharing a few thoughts on the role that ACB has played in can continue to play in the world blind union. Because in my view, ACB is a very important organization that has a lot of knowledge that can be shared with the rest of the world. And so as we start in the coming months to develop opportunities where um, members can exchange with one another, so for those community improvements that I was mentioning, I sincerely hope that ACB, and I'm confident they will be, will be there to participate in conversations and share your knowledge and successes um, with others who can then benefit from that from that knowledge sharing. So, so Mark, what what in terms of the the most significant either challenge or opportunity facing the WBU? What what do you think that really is? Yeah, this it's a good question. I think um, definitely around communications, there's a lot of opportunities there. One of the sort of really fundamental roles that an organization like ours can play is to help um, ensure that when something goes well in one part of the world, some, some type of success or initiative that's making a positive difference, that that is known elsewhere in the world. And so that's, I think, a really important opportunity. Um, I would also say that uh, capacity building is an area where we have um, the ability to do, make a, a positive difference. There are a lot of organizations in and around the, around the world that um, don't have the resources. And we're not in a position ourselves, admittedly, to provide a lot of financial resources, but those aren't the only resources that matter, right? Knowledge, um, toolkits, those types of resources can really make a big, a big difference. And so that's an area where I think we'll put a lot of um, effort into making sure that we're sharing that knowledge, that information, those successes with other organizations. Right. And, and one other question that I wanted to ask you about, uh, what, what do you see is the, the sort of the uh, landscape of um, and the status of audio description around the world? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's stronger in certain locations, for sure. And you're going to hear a little mm -hmm. bit about this later on in the convention. Um, we see a lot of um, a lot of strength when it comes to audio description for the more developed countries, um, a little less so for developing countries. 
And um, so this is another area where we can support organizations to advocate uh, because it makes such a big difference for people to have access to those types of cultural products within their local community, not to mention education as well, being uh, an important area for audio description. And so this is um, another area where, again, ACB can play a kind of a leading role, um, not just in America, but actually globally by um, spreading information and, and supporting organizations to, to do advocacy work within their local countries. Mm -hmm. Oh, thank you so much. All right. Well, we really appreciate your um, participation with us this morning, and we look forward to the other uh, sessions that you'll be with us um, this weekend, and thank you so much. All right. Yay. I just really appreciate your energy and enthusiasm, and, and I, I just, that's just wonderful. Excellent. All right, we are um, back onto our original schedule, and that means that we're actually to a break. Now, I am going to be really nice. I'm gonna give ACB something. Um, it's a gift, and, and especially in, in, this, in this building, it's kind of a gift. Um, but we've got, we've got some special stuff happening during the break. Um, we need to uh, continue to get up and get moving, and some of us are not as cold if we move around, so that's good. And so we have our, um, our uh, move champions, Leslie Spoon and um, Connie Sims, who are gonna help us with that. Good morning, ACB! So we, Connie and I are coming to you guys from the Get Up and Get Moving campaign, and we couldn't get this started without our good friend Terry Suarez saying a woohoo! So hopefully she's out there listening on ACB Media. So we're gonna do a few stretches. Don't start moaning, okay? <laughs> you can stay seated, but if you're able and willing to stand, that would be awesome. You guys are gonna stand with your feet shoulder width apart. Your booties are gonna be in if you're standing. Don't stick your booties out, okay? Inhale, arms up over your head. Exhale, breathe it out nice and slow. Inhale, arms up over your head. Don't go quick. Exhale, slow. This is nice and slow, guys. Inhale, arms up. I live in Florida and it rains all the time. Put, put your, oh, Nancy says you guys are cheating. Oh my goodness, Dan Spoon, are you cheating? Uh, uh, uh. Both hands together, arms over your head, guys, lean to the right. Lean to the right, even if you're in your chair, don't fall out of your chair, okay? Exhale back to the center, inhale, lean to the left. You get to meet your neighbor a little bit. Exhale, center, inhale. How we doing, guys? Oh, I love it. Exhale, center. Inhale to the left. Everybody on Zoom land is jealous. They're not here with us. Exhale, center. One more. Inhale to the right. Exhale, center. Bring your arms down. Roll your shoulders up, back, and down. We're not stressed out from not finding those elevators, right? So we want to roll our shoulders up towards your ears, rolling back and down. Up, back, and down. How we doing? I don't hear you guys. Yeah, there you go. Roll your shoulders forward, up towards your ears, and roll them forwards. Up towards your ears. You're mad. You're mad. Now you're relaxed. Roll them up and back. 
Good, take them down, inhale, arms up. Bring your hands together, interclass your hands. Reach up towards the sky, guys. Reach for ACB, we're excited. Reach, reach, reach. Now you're gonna come out in front like a big ice cream scoop. So you've got a big ice cream scoop. Your arms are together, they're away from you, hands are away from you. Reach out, tuck your abs in. Those are not your, your stomachs anymore. We don't have stomachs, we have abdominals or core. If you don't take anything back from me today, it's your core, okay? It makes your back strong, Connie says. My good friend Connie here. Reach back up towards the ceiling or sky. Reach for the sky for today. Exhale, bring it down. Let's do our next stretch real quickly. Right ear to your right shoulder. Don't go too far, don't overstretch. You don't wanna tell me later your neck hurts. I have no responsibility. <laughs> Exhale, back to center. Inhale, left ear to left shoulder. Feel that nice stretch, everybody, yes? I don't hear you, do you hear them, Connie? No. No. It's very quiet out there in ACB land. We got two minutes left. Take your right ear towards your right. You will. You'll get a break. Don't worry. I promise. Exhale, center. Inhale, left ear to left shoulder. I promise you'll get your break. Exhale, bring your arms back up towards the sky. Take your hands behind your head. Lean back like you're laying out. Oh, it's a beautiful day, huh? Keep your elbows open to nine and three, and they're not by your ears. Abs are tight, you're squeezing your booty. Does everybody feel their booty? Woohoo! Can I get a woohoo? All right. Bring it forward, take your shoulder, take your, <coughs> let's see if I can talk anymore. Twist to the right. Twist to the right, that'd be three o'clock, Dan Spoon. You're welcome. Exhale back to the center. Twist to the left, which is nine o'clock. Keep your elbows nice and wide. You guys feel your back and your waist, yes? Do we know our waist? Our love handles. Exhale. All right, we're almost there, guys. We're almost there. Exhale, center. Inhale to the left. Feel your love handles from ACB. Exhale, center. How we doing, Connie? How we doing, Connie? Woo, we got 50 seconds. All right, we're doing really good. Woo, roll those shoulders again. Roll those shoulders. How we feeling, guys? I don't hear you. Do you hear them, Connie? I don't hear you guys. There you go. Yes, let's start marching a little bit, guys. Just march. Warm up your feet. March, march, march. Not a very big march, just a nice, soft march. Take your right heel out in front of you. Take your left heel out in front of you. I call these my country, country heel down hoedowns. So you can bring your right heel out in front. You should feel the back of your leg. Yes, everybody? Check those calves. Check your hamstrings. Don't overdo it, Dan Spoon. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you for hanging out with us. We'll be back Thursday. Woohoo! Get up and get moving. Our next presenter is here in person with us, which is very exciting and especially helpful to all of our friends uh, listening to us remotely this morning um, in those warm blankets that they got out last hour. <laughs> Wish you guys would bring them over here. All right. So um, it is really my great privilege to uh, introduce 
um, Mr. Jason Broughton, who is the new um, director for the National Library Service for the Blind and Print Disabled. He is um, very new to his job, and um, that's, that's very exciting. Um, I'm looking forward to hearing all about um, his uh, thoughts about the library and about services and about everything else he wants to tell us. And he will be also speaking at uh, Lua, no, yeah, Lua, of course, Lua, library users. Why wouldn't he speak at the library users? You know, it's, <laughs> I'm on Pacific time still. <laughs> He'll be at Lua tomorrow afternoon at uh, one o'clock. And so if you uh, have, pardon me? Today at one o'clock, whoops, excuse me, I'm really off. I'm so sorry. I did well last time, but I didn't do so well this time. Today at one o'clock for Lua. I am sorry. Yes, and so, but we're just checking to see if y'all have been reading your program. And I'm pleased to see that you have been. Thank you. That's good. All right, so I feel better now because it's been a lot of work to put that stuff together. Um, all right, so he'll be this afternoon, but in the meantime, he is here right now to talk to us about things going on at NLS, and so I present to you Mr. Jason Broughton. I am honored and humbled to be here with you this morning, and today I will be discussing some things that we are doing at the National Library Service for the Blind and Print Disabled. As stated, my name is Jason Broughton, and my goodness, a little bit about me, because I know at the salon we have, it is Q&A. Ooh, louder, this is even better. All right. So we have the salon in which will be Q&A. You get to ask a variety of things. Today, however, at this moment, I will be discussing what we are doing at NLS, along with a few interesting updates. So with that, let's get started. Uh, NLS is, I would say, doing very well. Under my current direction, we are looking to do some unique things, which are going to be, in one word, growth. Growth in all things growth in our user base, growth in formats, growth in outreach, growth in understanding our users and what they also would like to tell us about how they see NLS. So in other words, lots of conversations are going to be going on. We also are looking to have a recommitment to who we are when it comes to being the National Library Service for the Blind. One of the key things that I would say I really hope that we will begin to fully institute is making sure that we always listen to our users and then also prepare ourselves for the next 91 years. This is our 91st year, which we have been in existence and in working with the U.S. Postal Service, which I will also talk about. So it's been a unique collaboration, and I think that we are looking forward to a wonderful future as we go forward. We've had a lot of legislative changes and regulatory changes in the past two years um, under Karen Nellinger, who I also know. When I arrived at the conference, there were some people who were kind of unsure who I was until I said, well, I'm the new Karen. And they said, oh, now I know who you are. Yes, Karen, okay, now I know what you do. So that can be said that way as well. So we've had a name change. We removed the word handicapped. Uh, the Marrakesh Treaty has just been a boon. 
to our organization. And of course, we have had a dramatic increase in reading disabled due to reading disabled regulation. We'll also talk a little bit about um, a unique thing that is being discussed in Congress, which is a possible um, relocation. And so that will be interesting to discuss. So let's talk about BARB. Within that, we are working with our IT department known as OCIO in the federal government. And what we're doing is making sure that the resources that we have are more secure. We've moved it to what is known as cloud-based items, which just basically allows faster downloads, enhanced capacity, searching, which we're also going to even enhance, and of course, deal with foreign language enhancements. One of the biggest things that we also will want to do with that when it comes to the enhancements is making sure that we have as many people participate with us when we are looking to test and review devices and services. That means we're gonna to need to have outreach to understand as many different types of disabilities as possible, which allows the devices to be their best, so when we put it out, people can therefore be very comfortable with its use. Other items when it comes to modernization. Marrakesh. Under Marrakesh, we have now 2,800 additional new works on BARD. We have had over 51,000, I would say, downloads in the past year. And stunningly, we are now up to 131,000 plus NLS titles when it comes to the shared item with the World Intellectual Property Organization known as WIPO. We've also began, because of this, to publish a new item called Foreign Language Quarterly. And we now have content in 13 languages and looking to do more, particularly in some very unique areas. This was also picked up by the Washington Post in which there's a wonderful article talking about how a treaty signed in Marrakesh made the Library of Congress more accessible. Modernization. One of our most surprising and stunning items that we were probably going to say we expected this, but we did not expect the outpouring we received is on the refreshable Braille device. <laughs> this unique item, when we deployed it to have it reviewed, immediately allowed us to see what people told us they really, really wanted. The demand has been tremendous. We have over 6,000 that we plan to have out by the end of the year, and we are going to procure even more. Of course, we have inflation, supply chain demands, and some logistic items, but we believe we can be confident in getting that to happen. They are now in over 37 states, and we continue to look to expand. And we have people basically banging on the door saying, I want in on the pilot. And so we will look to see <laughs> what we can do to make that happen. This, however, has been an amazing thing for us to see when it comes to this uh, device and in working with Humanware and, of course, our other partners to craft different types. We look forward to a wonderful future when it comes to refreshable Braille because this is an amazing thing that's coming. We've also done an ease of access with the regulatory changes. As I mentioned, uh, reading disabled has been quite unique in which we now have over 10,200 reading disabled individuals utilizing NLS. Now, what does that mean in a percentage? That's a 50% increase than before. And so we know that there also is a wonderful need to allow access to materials so that we complete our mission, which is known as, very simply, 
that all may read. I deeply believe that when it comes to this position, which I am humbled and honored to be within, my goal is to make sure that the organization lives up to its mission and also takes the time to really have things put front and center for people who should have never had to ever ask that this be done. This should be front and first. I'm usually very surprised when I'm in conversation that people will finish a project and then say, oh, now let's talk about accessibility, which is at the end, and here comes me, barnstorming in, saying we might need to start over, which usually can upset a few people. But hey, if you had done this at the beginning, it would have made a very, very different outcome. <laughs> Our next item, duplication on demand, is going well, and that is going to expand to our entire network of 94 network libraries in U.S. territories by the end of the year. And with that, there's going to be some cost savings and, of course, some space savings when we are allowed to, in a sense, have multiple titles on one cartridge. With that, I can say I have heard some feedback about some of the things that they would like to have tweaked when it comes to duplication on demand, and we look forward to that. We have focus groups here, and I encourage you to please attend. I was at one of our first yesterday, which I got a wonderful earful, but it allows you to talk about NLS's worth, our work, and our services, and how we can prove upon them, and also you can tell us what we actually might not know that we need to understand and know. Another item when it comes to modernization is that we're looking to have a whole suite of new things come to fruition in the future. This, of course, requires testing. So with that, one of the things that I believe is very helpful when you're working with a very diverse group of people is to have a variety or diverse type of products. So we are looking to, in a sense, have BARD as an access. We're looking to have embossed Braille. We're looking to have a digital advanced player known as our E2D. Player. And of course, we're looking to do a few things with large print in most aspects. I do recognize there is some consternation on something that I needed to have happen, which we will discuss at the salon today when it comes to one of our large print formats and looking forward to that conversation. Things that will probably be very unique to understand is that we are looking to have a smart speaker, in a sense, <laughs> and also text-to-speech and of course, VUI. With that, however, there can be challenges. A lot of things must be completed first to make sure that this goes off without a hitch. And that means a lot of review, a lot of participation by people to play with these devices when we make them available and tell us what we can do to make them better. Another area that we are looking to expand, which we're doing right now, is collections. We are never going to really have every single book. But what we can do is increase a variety of things based upon talking with our users about what they like most. We also will be a library in the sense of if we don't have it, our goal will be to tell you where you can access it and find it. So it will be, in a sense, an engaged and interactive experience when you talk about the National Library Service. Our partnerships, very, very unique. 
We launched a pilot that, again, went very similar to the Braille e-reader. Within the first week, we started to immediately have a request when it comes to Braille on demand, in which we are allowing Braille to be, in a sense, provided out once a month. And that request just gained us a much larger insight into that people want that, followed by our outreach. We are doing a lot when it comes to veterans and the Veterans Administration. So we have a VA rapid sign-up program that we are doing in a pilot that is going to be very impactful in working with people who, in a sense, might have unfortunately received an injury that, in a sense, now has them considering some life situations. We hope to make that experience and transition as seamless and as easy as possible to do the things that matter most, which is enjoy the life you have. Free matter for the blind. This conversation is one that I have taken up very, very importantly when it comes to the Postal Service, who is our partner. We are having, I would say, really interesting talks and in making sure that we talk about training and so that when people, in a sense, mail items or receive them, that everything is in sync properly when it is received through the mail by the carriers. The conversations are going well, we're learning lots, and the Postal Service is a committed partner to making sure that free matter for the blind works seamlessly for everyone going forward. Relocation. For those who might not know, we are located on Taylor Street in the District of Columbia, and we are happy to have you visit as the federal government starts to fully open up. Just recently, we had the American Library Association in DC, and we hosted a lot of librarians who were new to even understanding that MLS has been here. So we provided tours and a host of things. With that, however, we are looking through conversations with Congress on, in a sense, relocating, if possible, it is at their discretion, to the Capitol complex. Now, some might say, well, that's interesting. What you might not know is how I understood it from the history and the conversation. NLS was on the Capitol complex at the Library of Congress and temporarily needed to move. Keyword temporarily. 60 years later, <laughs> we are still on that temporary um, writer, and we are having conversations to see what it might look like, again, based upon their direction and decision on what it might look like to relocate back to the Capitol complex in a new facility that would be very, I would say, helpful and inspiring to be a visible signal and also sign of what this nation says that it does for all people. We stand, I would say, forward to hearing what that will come, but conversations, of course, take their time as they go through our congressional delegations. As I said, we have focus groups, which we have our collection development section here, here Alice O'Reilly and Tamara Rory, who's over Pageman Engagement. Please come by and tell us what you think about NLS. It's so important that we gather information and feedback from you. Also, we put on a biannual conference in which we had over 400 professionals attend virtually. And with that, we had messages from Senator Leahy and from Senator Blunt virtually about what NLS is doing. And we also, in a sense, awarded some winners when it comes to the Library of the Year. And for that, our regional winner was the Washington Talking Book and Braille Library in Seattle. <laughs> 
And our sub-regional winner was out of Florida, Pinellas County, Pinellas Talking Book Library in Clearwater, Florida. So we're doing quite a lot. And as a new director, who has come from a variety of items, as I, and I'll share a little bit about that. Prior to this, I was the state librarian in Vermont. What a wonderful outdoor playground state that is. Amazing, amazing group of people. Followed by, before that, Savannah, Georgia, um, Live Oak Public Libraries. <laughs> Prior to that, the South Carolina State Library. And before that, worked in education. But the thing that most people really say is important to them is that they knew that I was a certified pastry chef and that I love to bake. <laughs> that seemed to be the most important thing for a lot of people. As I begin to close, I'd like to read to you a small quote. For those who know me, I like to make sure that people find solace in poetry or comments and the importance of who we are when, it, when we're looking at items. As director, one of the things that I would hope that ACB will take away from me as I work with all of you to, in a sense, provide services is a simple thing that I live by as my simple mantra, and my staff fully knows this. It's not that important that we actually be right at NLS. The important thing is that we get it right. And with that, it's very important. So in closing, by a quote under the pen named author C. Joy Bell C., this is important. The only way that we can live is if we grow. The only way we can grow is if we change. The only way we can change is if we learn. The only way we can learn is if we are exposed. And the only way that we are exposed is if we throw ourselves into the wild open. Thank you. <laughs> Hi, I'm Marilee, and I'm just learning to play the piano, and I'm wondering how I would go about getting enlarged music so I can read the music. I'm one eye, I have one-eyed vision. Yeah. You said your question is on music? Yes, oh, I, I can't read a regular... Our music section is very unique, and with that, you would be connecting with NLS directly and I can give you that information. But if you go to our website, there is an item that talks about music, and we have a wonderful engaged staff that can assist you. For those who do not know, the National Library Service for the Blind and Print Disabled has the world's largest Braille music collection. And you should, in a sense, probably consider reviewing it. We have method books, instruction books, musical scores, and a host of things that are available to you. With that, you get to have it for a certain while, and you can also continue to extend it for as long as you need it. But again, you would be contacting the National Library Service direct for that, and we have a lot of staff who are waiting to assist you when it comes to music. Okay. Another question? Yes. I, just here you go. Hi. Oh, hang on. Hold, okay. You can hold it. You want to hold the mic? Okay. Okay. Hi, I'm Judy Presley from Georgia. 
And I love BARD, and I love BARD Express, but I also love to travel. And when I go to the travel category on BARD Express, it seems like the same books have been on there for two years. And I was wondering, uh, is there someone in charge of those, changing those books on those categories, like biographies? It seems like biographies are the same books that have been on there for like two or three years. And uh, I was just wondering, uh, it seems like those could be changed more often. I appreciate that feedback. And yes, I would not want you to be traveling to the same places each time. So with that, again, as I said, I will make this information known to Alice O'Reilly, our collection development section head, who is here at the conference. She will be getting this in just a couple of moments. And we will be working to update that. And I appreciate that information. Uh, good morning, everyone. Um, thank you so much for uh, being here with us um, at the ACB National Convention. Uh, my name is Marisa Musemich, and the question that I have is, um, first of all, I wanted to let you know how much I appreciate uh, BARD and the collection of books that you have. My question is, I'm a Braille reader, and I know that there are many Braille magazines available. But I was wondering if uh, I have noticed that when I'm looking at the Braille magazine section, the um, a lots of uh, there aren't any editions of Braille magazines that I have uh, noticed. And I was wondering, are you um, doing anything to expand the Braille collection of the magazines available through NLS? Thank you very much. This is a great question. Again, we had this come up in our focus group yesterday. And magazines for us are a very unique area in which, as you know, the publishers themselves are also changing a few things. And so we are navigating that. But we also want to, I would say, do a pilot in looking really to see how users find what they want in addition to what types of magazines they would like for us to consider. In stating that, just as the general population, I would say everybody understands, people have moved away a bit from long form reading, which for me is a, is a sad thing because I love getting magazines and just reading them cover to cover. But now we've moved to topic and articles as opposed to the magazine itself. So with that, it offers us an opportunity to connect with users to say, what does it look like to have a listing of topics or themes as opposed to the one magazine. This is, again would be something that we would do as a pilot, but if you come to our focus group, we can definitely discuss that because we want to find out what users might want when it comes in the way of magazine subscriptions. He has another person. Here we go. Hello. Uh, hi there. Uh, this is Roger Peterson from California. And I just wanted to um, say something. I, I, I'm old, and so I'm involved in thinking about history and so forth. And I remember when you were in the NLS. Um, I was actually married a little bit for a while for, to someone who worked there. But I wanted to, there's this name I want to say at this convention that all of us have thought of as, NLS, as equivalent to NLS for years. And that's the name of Freddie Pico. Um, I hope that, I know she's been retired now, I hope you've gotten to know her. We all said, you know, 
We know anything about Library of Congress? Let's go to the library, the NLS booth and see Freddie. And I just wanted to salute her. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. We have a lot of wonderful long-term employees who work at the Library of Congress, and it is just amazing. I know that we have, um, in my experience, which is rare to see, 50-year uh, employees at <laughs> the Library of Congress and National Library Service. And of course, someone did retire, and she is at our conference, Judy Dixon. Well, we wonderfully brought her back as an annuant, but she said, oh, why are you doing this to me? And I said, well, you never left. Look at her. So, <laughs> so we'll have her for a few more years. Okay. Do we have time for two quick questions, or are we, how are we on time? We can take one more question. Oh, okay. Here you go, ma'am. Hey, do you, do you want to ask? Yeah, yes, I wanted to one, I'm, um, my name is Kay Love from Oklahoma, and I was wondering, last year I read something or heard something that the, uh, they were, the lawyer was talking about using uh, smart devices like Echo and, and some of the others like that. Is that still a, uh, something that is an option? We are. Our goal, however, is we have to do a lot of uh, designing, which also means we need to bring in people to test a variety of things to let us know what they feel is working and is not working about them. This is also a unique time in which our plans can sometimes be skirted into different time frames based upon availability of resources. And so things that we order are unfortunately, uh, not always made in the country fully, and we must rely upon the construction of them outside the U.S., which adds a longer component. So things that we want to launch are being pushed forward into the future, but they are slowly coming online when it comes to text-to-speech, uh, voice user interface, and of course, if we're lucky, a NLS version of Alexa. Thank you so much. All right, I um, want to thank you all for your time this morning with me. Um, I want to give you a little leadership advice before I turn this back over to Dan for our exciting time to come. And that is, somebody said to me, so if you were going to become an officer in ACB, how would you know which office to run for? And they expected me to talk about talent and, you know, like, do you take minutes or do you do books or do you, you know, like to stand around and shake hands? What, what's the job you want to do, right? And I said, well, you look at the summer program, summer convention program, and you see which day has the stuff that you would be the most excited to present, and then you run for the office that's associated with the presiding officer of that day. So there is my piece of leadership advice for you, and we'll turn things back over to Dan, who will now lead us in our awesome election process. Thank you, Deb. Let's give Deb a great hand as being our presiding officer of the day. All right, it is now time to do our candidate elections. Uh, just to review the process for everybody for today, <clears throat> we will start with our board of directors positions in the order that they were nominated out of the nominating committee. We will call for nominations three times from the floor. If we hear no nominations from the floor, we will go ahead and appoint that director position by acclamation. And then we will move on to the next candidate.
once we get our first contested election, both the, uh, from the floor, then we will have uh, speeches from both candidates. The first to speak with their repre speaker representatives will be the person that came out of nominating, and then next will be the person who was nominated from the floor. Uh, so that's kind of our process for today. We're going to have to do this, of course, folks, both in the ballroom and on Zoom. So we have our supervisor of elections, Nancy Marks Becker, who is a couple of seats down from me with a microphone, and she is monitoring our Zoom room. So if you want to participate in the election, you need to be in the general session Zoom platform if you're not here in the hall. Just to review, as we, before we uh, get going with the elections, that our actual balloting will open up at 2 o'clock Central today and run to 6 o'clock Central. So that's 2 p.m. Central to 6 o'clock Central for the Vote Now Vote. I hope everybody has their voter code. If you are, have an email with ACB, your code was resent out to you a day and a half ago. And if you uh, did not have an email address with ACB, you received a braille and large print uh, letter two weeks ago, which had your voter code in it. So when you go to vote, you have multiple options to vote. You can reply electronically through the email and tally your vote. You can also vote by phone. You can vote by phone automatically, or you can vote by phone with operator assistance. So there's multiple ways to vote, to cast your vote. If you're in the ballroom or you're in the hall or the hotel here at the Hilton, and you need some assistance, need some technical assistance, you need access to a phone that doesn't charge you $4 a minute to, to go through your ballot process, there will be phones available in registration. We have a booth, a precinct area set up in registration. That's at the Hilton in Blackstone Room. So in the Blackstone Room of the Hilton on the second floor, where you registered is where you'll be able to go to get voter assistance. So we'll be around, we'll be able to answer those questions, but at this point in time, I would like to start our candidate process, voting process. So. Dan, we, there's no hands up in Zoom. Okay. Nancy has informed me that right now all hands are down in Zoom, so we're ready to begin the process. At this point in time, we are putting in candidacy for our first board of directors position, Connie Sims from Sioux Falls, South Dakota, medical massage therapist. I'm now gonna call. Are there any other nominations from the floor? Nancy, do we have any hands? No hands in either place. Okay. Are there any other nominations from the floor? Second time. Nancy, do we have any hands? No. Are there any other nominations from the floor? Nancy, do we have any hands? No hands in Zoom or in person. With our supervisor election uh, notifying us that there are no hands either in the ballroom or on Zoom, we now would like to appoint Connie Sims for her first term as a board of directors by acclamation.
Connie, uh, if you could come to a microphone, we'd be love to have you say a few words if you would like. I just want to thank everyone for um, voting for me and uh, appreciating everything I do. I want to continue to serve all of you guys in, you know, it's a member organization and we really need to make sure that all the members have a say and that's what I'm here for. So I'm always open for calls, emails, anything. So I just appreciate it. I hope I can continue to make everyone happy and do everything I can do um, with Get Up and Get Moving, the voting, um, the awards, everything I'm doing. So I love the organization and I just want to thank everyone. So thank you. Thank you, Connie, and congratulations. Now we will begin the nomination process for our second board of directors position. The nominating com committee has put in nomination Jeff Tom, retired state employee from the state of California, from Sacramento, California. Nancy, are all hands down in the Zoom room? Yes. At this point in time, I will call the nomination, uh, call the question three times. So first, are there any nominations from the floor for the position of board of directors? Nancy, do we have any hands in the Zoom room? No hands in the Zoom room and no hands raised in person. Thank you, Nancy. For the second time, any nominations for, from the floor? No hands in Zoom or in person. Thank you, Nancy. And for the third and final time, any nominations from the floor? No hands from Zoom or in, floor, or on, in person. At this point in time, I would like to declare nominations closed, and I would like to recognize Jeff Tom by acclamation as our second term board of director. <laughs> Jeff, if you would like to Grab a mic and say a few words. We'd love to hear from you. Well, okay, so I want to very briefly thank everyone for electing me to a, a, a final term. And the only thing I'll say is I'll do my best to make my last term my best term. Thank you. Thank you, and congratulations, Jeff. For our third board of directors position, the nominating committee has put in candidacy Gabriel Lopez Cafati from Miami Lakes, Florida, student advisor and life coach. Nancy, have you got your win back? I do. Okay. <laughs> Please, are there any, for the first time, I will call the question, are there any nominations from the floor? There's no hands raised in Zoom or no hands raised in person. Thank you, Nancy. For the second time, are there any nominations from the floor? No hands raised in Zoom or in person. For the third and final time, are there any nominations from the floor? No hands raised in Zoom or in person. At this point in time, I would like to appoint Gabriel Lopez Cafati for his first term by acclamation.
as a director of the ACB Board of Directors. Congratulations, Gabriel, a fellow Floridian. All right, Gabriel. Let, let's see if we can get Gabe to a microphone to say a few words. Well, like, uh, I know many people advise me whenever I grab a microphone, make it short. <laughs> I, don't know what, I don't know what reputation I have. I guess I, I, I talk a lot. Anyway, um, ACB is more than an organization for me. It's a family. It has been a part of my life ever since I moved to this great nation. For those of you who do not know me, I'm a naturalized, very proud citizen of the United States of America. ACB gave me a home, uh, not only through the advocacy, uh, the camaraderie, the friendships, uh, but also through uh, an organization that is near and dear to my heart, which is BPI, Blind Pride International, which I currently preside and um, has given me, like I said, the tools to succeed, uh, to continue serving others, not only within this organization, but everywhere I go. I am a proud ambassador of the American Council of the Blind, and I, con I, I only hope to continue serving this organization and all its members. Uh, thank you all for your support. Thanks to my partner, Anthony Corona. Thanks to my, my parents who are listening from Honduras. Um, and uh, our guide dogs, Posh and Bodhi. <laughs> and all my BPI family and my ACB family, thank you for believing in me, and I promise I won't disappoint. Congratulations, Gabriel. I would also just like to recognize that we have our parliamentarian with us here today, Denise Erminger, and she will uh, be, she is also helping Nancy oversee our election. So just apologize, Denise, for not mentioning you earlier, but she's right up here to our right. She's in between Nancy and me, so she's, uh, she's getting to hear lots of conversations. So thank you, Denise. All right, at this point in time, we are ready to begin our candidacy for the fourth board of directors position. The name that has been put in nomination by our nominating committee is Terry Pacheco from Silver Springs, Maryland. Terry is an administrator with the Federal Communications Commission. At this point in time, Nancy, are all hands down? All hands are lowered. All right, all hands are lowered. Are there any nominations from the floor for our fourth board of director position? I see one hand in person. Yes, I'm here, President Dan. This is Marcia Farah from the state of Georgia with our rich 66 years of history. I proudly rise to place in, in nomination the name of Cecily Laney Nipper uh, we are very proud to have our young leader from Georgia be willing to serve in the ACB board. Marcia, thank you. I heard the name of Cecily Lane Nepper put in nomination. Uh, hopefully we'll work on the echo here. Uh, I need to know Cecily's uh, occupation in the city she lives from in Georgia. I, I'm a transcriptionist from Covington, Georgia. Thank you, Cecily. Transcriptionist from Covington, Georgia. Thank you. All right. Our
for the second time. Are there any other nominations from the floor? I have someone's hand raised in Zoom. Rick, a, it's, Rick it's the one ending in 442. Dan, okay. it was Kelsey Nikolai on Zoom that wants to, she nominates herself. Okay. Kelsey Nikolai is nominating herself. Uh, Kelsey, what is your occupation and what city are you from? She's a transcriptionist from Diana Horgan. From where? Medina, Oregon. Ohio, I'm sorry. Thank you. She's a transcriptionist from Madonna, Medina, Ohio. Medina, Medina, Ohio. Ohio. So, so far we have three candidates for our fourth board of directors position. I'll call for nominations one more time. Are there any other nominations from the floor? Each candidate, well, let me call the nominations to close. Are there any other hands raised, Nancy, either on Zoom or in the room? I do see one hand raised in the room. Do you, right straight ahead of you, Connie. Mr. President, I would move to cease nominations at this time. All right. Thank you. We've called nominations three times. We have a motion on the floor to close nominations. All those in favor, by signify by saying aye. Aye. And also, if you're on Zoom, please raise your hand. All right. All those opposed to closing nominations, signify by saying aye. Well, we're not doing it on Zoom yet. Wait, That's in the room. That's yeah, in the room. I, I need everybody in Zoom to lower their hands. And then we'll need everybody in Zoom to lower their hands. Okay. I believe that my, uh, and I will appeal this to the parliamentarian, but uh, if a uh, presiding officer has called for a uh, uh, nominations three times, uh, a motion to close nominations is not in order and doesn't need to be voted on. Denise, could you please rule for us as our parliamentarian? Denise is saying if we have officially called three times, which was what was called for in our standing rules, we do not need to have a formal motion to close nominations. So we will move on with our candidate speeches. Thank you all so much. Thank you, Michael, for that point of order. All right. So we have three candidates. Each candidate has the opportunity to either speak for themselves for five minutes or identify two uh, representatives who can speak on their behalf for a total of five minutes. So we will uh, have our candidate speeches in the order that the nominations took place. So we'll hear from Terry first and then Cecily and then And then Kelsey, thank you, apologize. So at this point in time, Terry Pacheco, are, do you have your two speakers ready to speak? I believe they are. I know one is. I'm not certain if the other one is there or not. My two speakers, first of all, good morning, ACB. I am delighted to be here. My two speakers are John McCann and uh, Amanda Selm, president of ACB Next Gen. 
All right, at this point in time, I want to first, uh, Nancy, are we good to go on Zoom, as far as you know? Okay, and Deb and Eric, you've been monitoring. Are we good on the Zoom platform? All right, at this point in time, I would like to recognize John McCann for a two-and-a-half-minute uh, speech in support of Terry Pacheco. And uh, John will give you a warning at 2.15. At thank you, John. And Amanda, get ready to go next. Okay, thank you, Dan. It is both a distinct honor and privilege to rise before you today to speak to the candidacy of Terry Pacheco for a position on the ACB as a director on the ACB board. Terry has a long and most laudable history with ACB, going back some 50 years to her involvement with, with what was then the Boston Area Blind Leadership Council, which entity also ultimately became the core uh, of, excuse me, which ultimately became the core of the uh, Bay State Council, which was chartered in the mid 70s. As, as many people may know, Terry is a life member of both BRL and of Lua. She has served as convention chair many, many years for the Bay State Council and then subsequently served in that role for ACB of Maryland when she relocated to the DC area. As many here also know, she currently hosts her own radio show, Visibilities, which airs on ACB Media. But from the standpoint of the contributions and insights that ACB will benefit from should Terry be elected as director. I think her most significant experience occurred when she served as membership and affiliate services coordinator, I believe that's the correct title, from 1999 to 2006. In that role, she uh, was able to exercise her passion for membership development. Believe me, she does have a passion for membership development. Uh, she helped us immensely in Virginia during that time. I have direct knowledge of that. And, and she's acutely cognizant of the challenges that our affiliates face today. In all of her many roles over the past 50 years, Terry has demonstrated a strong work ethic and a stalwart dedication to service. As my previous comments make clear, she is steeped in our history, but she is in no way captive to it. She is not afraid to ask the hard questions, nor is she afraid to confront the challenges that lie before us. I would also want to emphasize that Terry will soon be retiring, so she will have the time to dedicate her passions, uh, to, to bring them more clearly uh, in, uh, to, the, to, the, to ACB. Boy, I'm butchering that a little bit. I trust you take the message. She is profoundly committed to our core values of diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility. And I therefore urge you, I ardently urge you to support. John, you for casting have 10 your vote seconds remaining. For cast, to, to cast your vote for Cherry Pacheco for a position on the ACB board. Thank you. Thank you, John. All right, we will now hear from Amanda Selm. Please begin. Good afternoon. 
afternoon here in Kentucky, y'all. Uh, my name is Amanda Selm, and I have known Terry Pacheco for about two years now. Uh, I have had the pleasure of working with Terry uh, personally on a couple of projects, one of them being the most recent, I think it was back in April, the Tuesday topics where we remembered our good friend and also ACB angel, Mr. Derwood K. McDaniel. Ms. Terry Pachenko has a lot of knowledge about our founding father here in ACB, and I am so um, I'm so privileged to learn from her as well as other uh, people in ACB, but she has done a tremendous job teaching both me and others in ACB Next Generation uh, about Mr. McDaniel. Um, also, I want to also emphasize that in the time that I've known Terry, that I have known, known her to be very compassionate, understanding, and that her mission is to um, follow through with diversity, equity, and inclusion by unifying ACB. And so one of the ways that she is demonstrating that is at this convention with the Dance of the Ages, that includes ACB Next Generation, uh, ECLVI, the Council of Citizens with Low Vision International, and the Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss. This is a true demonstration of what she wants for ACB, and she wants to not only unify ACB, she wants to make sure that we understand our history and make sure that we understand where we came from. So I am asking that you please cast your vote for Ms. Terry Pachenko. Thank you, Amanda. Now we will hear from our first nominated candidate from the floor, Cecily Nepper. Who are your speakers, please? Marcia Farrow and Zelda Gebhard. Marcia Farrow and, and Zelda Gebhard. All right, Marcia, you may begin. Yes. Um, again, my name is Marcia Farrow. I have had the privilege of serving on the distinctive ACB board. What a privilege it was. And I am so proud to know that our 35-year-old Cecily is interested not only in serving us in Georgia, which she serves us well, but is also very excited about the opportunity to serve at the national level. She has hosted on the virtual platform 17 uh, of the state conferences across the United States for ACB. For those of you who like coffee, she had her own coffee program for several weeks on the ACB uh, media. And so she is very familiar with things at the national level, but yet she is young. Cecily uh, has been involved with us for about 12 years because like many, many of us, uh, Cecily was not born with a vision impairment. She uh, knew life as a fully sighted person. She drove a car, she worked and was functioning totally in the sighted world. And then she found herself losing her vision and has went through that journey. She has lost the majority of her vision. So she identifies with those who are totally 
visually impaired and those who are just entering that journey. She understands the, the difficulty, the trauma, the uphill climb. She fights for services in Georgia, and believe you me, we have to fight for services in Georgia. She has, uh, she has testified at the state capitol and she has become very entrenched in the um, political part of that whole process. I know without a shadow of a doubt, she will serve us well. She comes seconds. from a wonderful family that put themselves into community service. And I could not be prouder to, to ask you to vote for Cecily Laney Nipper for the position on the board of directors. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Marsha. Now, Zelda, are you at a microphone? I Zelda. am. Zelda, you have two minutes. Would you like any um, reminders? 15 seconds, please. Okay, at one minute and 45 seconds. Zelda, you may begin. Okay. Um, as Dan said, I'm, I'm Zelda Gemhard, and it was my privilege to meet Cecily about three years ago. Um, she is a very engaging young woman, um, listens. We need le leaders who listen, and Cecily's one of those. Um, she was recognized last night, for those of you who are at the general session, as a leadership fellow. Um, she, I have the distinct pleasure of serving on the DKM committee, and um, she is very, very uh, well qualified and, and one of our shining stars um, to look at for our future in ACB. She is a real committed server of people. Uh, she started out her, her um, time in, in her local chapter in hospitality. Uh, she was looking to serve in whatever way she could and that's where she started, making other people feel welcome. And as Marcia pointed out, uh, Cecily has, has gone from there to various different roles, and she is currently serving the Georgia Council as their president. So they have confidence, I have confidence in her, and I hope you will have confidence in her too. She is a bright, um, young individual oh, who treasures uh, the advice from, from her elders, <laughs> and, and yet she has um, new and innovative ideas, and I would just encourage you to vote for Cecily Laney Nipper um, to be a director on the ACB board. Thank you, Zelda. Our last candidate nominated from the four is Chelsea Nikolai. Chelsea, who? Kelsey, gosh, man, I, I, Ch Kelsey, I apologize, Kelsey. Yes, my name is Kelsey Nikolai. I'm from Medina, and I am a customer service representative, and I have a bachelor's degree in communication and French from Ashland University. And in 2014, I completed the Dale Carnegie program, which is a leadership and communication skill development program in which I was able to learn valuable leadership skills 
and apply that to real-life situations. And I'm currently also in Toastmasters, which is also a continuation of that, of the Dale Carnegie for both leadership and public speaking. And I have the opportunity within Toastmasters to assume various roles within the club, such as being a Toastmaster, which allows me to lead the meetings and introduce speakers and roles for the evening. And I've also given speeches on a variety of topics within that organization. And inside of ACB, I have served on the American Health of the Blind of Ohio State Board from 2019 to 2020. And I have also been a part of various committees such as the convention planning and the membership committee where my role within the membership committee is to facilitate at conference calls for Ohio's at-large membership, which involves finding speakers for each monthly meeting and contacting them and arranging for them to come and speak to the group. And I also did that as part of both the Ohio Convention as well as Pennsylvania Convention. I'm also a member of the Pennsylvania Council of Blind, and I serve on their planning committee for the convention. I'm also serving on their technology access committee. And on the national level, I'm currently serving on the ACB employment committee, as well as the, the board for the Rail Revival meeting, which I'm helping people to realize their full literacy potential. And outside of ACB, I have served in other leadership capacities, such as Project Learn, which helps people, adults who may not have had the opportunity to learn to read as a child, help them develop literacy skills and to help them prepare for other exams as the GED or an SDNA exam or any other exam that they may need to complete that they have not had the opportunity to. And I hope that ACP will consider voting for me for the National Board of Directors. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> this this concludes our nominating speeches for this candidacy position for the fourth board of directors within ACB's board of directors. Again, all three candidates will be placed on the ballot in the order that they were nominated. All right, everybody. So just to remind everybody that the, this is our fourth candidate's position for the ACB board of directors. We have three candidates that have been placed in nomination. They will be put on the ballot in the order that they were nominated. The uh, vote now vote will open at 2 o'clock central today and run for four hours to 6, to 6 p.m. central. And then the affiliate roll call delegate vote 
will be tomorrow at the beginning of our general session on Monday, and the results of the election will be announced uh, around 11, 11.15 tomorrow at general session, and then we will continue down the slate of officers. So please, uh, you can vote on Vote Now, as I said earlier, in multiple ways, either through your email, through your smartphone app, through your smartphone, through your phone system directly, either through the automated option or through operators. If you have any trouble and you're in the ballroom, uh, ballroom area or in the Hilton Hotel, you can go to a precinct that has been set up in Blackstone A, and there you can vote either through phone or with other uh, smart devices. Uh, and once again, please remember your voter code. You have to use your voter code for all ACB elections this week. Good luck to all the candidates. And at this point in time, and, and Nancy says, please have patience. This is our first time doing this in a hybrid environment. And with that said, I will stand us in recess till tomorrow at 8.30.